This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Hallelujah. How is everybody? Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning. We're getting into that good time of year now where, hey, it's fall time. Things are getting where they need to be. I'm excited. We got the Christmas coming up and all that. But I'm telling you, hey, it's here. Hey, it is here. I'm stocking up. You know where I live. If you want to see Clark Griswold, come on past my house in about a month. I set up the day after Thanksgiving. Believe me, they see me from space. But anyway, uh, good stuff's going to be happening. But uh, man, we're so we're so grateful for all the great things that the Lord did at Harvest Fest the other night. How was that? Did you have a good time? Man, several thousand people were blessed and ministered to and gave lots of candy out and, and, and just got to pray with people. And it was awesome. And so um, thank you to everybody that served at that event. It was absolutely uh, just a, a, a godly, wonderful night. Amen. And I remind you that uh, people have asked me, uh, where can we get the recordings of the services? Well, I want to remind you that every sermon we preach is put online at the church website or you could open up your iPhone and go to the uh, podcast app or you go to the Android store and get and look it up on there. So I just want to remind you that uh, that it is all recorded and you can uh, go back and listen to the sermons, of course, free of charge. You know, there's no need to no need to charge for that. Amen. Well, what we're going to be talking about today is this. The title is Relentless Love, Relentless Love. And I want to talk to you guys for a few minutes today about the love of God. And if you need an outline for the message, raise your hand and the ushers would get you one and you can follow along. But, you know, listen, we, we've studied for several weeks here at church about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we've challenged you. We've uh, you know, we've said some we've said some difficult things. And those of you that know me, you realize that I am not afraid to talk about and preach about the topic of sin. I am definitely I don't I don't shy away from about God's judgment. I'm fine. And I talk about that. But I'm also not afraid to talk about the relentless love of God. I'm also not afraid to tell you that God loves you. He is not mad at you. And God has a plan for your life. And God wants to do something in your life. God wants to take you to places that you never even knew existed. God wants to do things in you through you and for you and change your life. And it's man, listen, it's for his glory and it's for your benefit when we submit ourselves to God. And so there's a few things I want to say today about the love of God. And I want you to listen up because I don't care how long you've been following the Lord. I don't care how long you've wore the title, the name badge of Christian. There's no way that any of us fully have an understanding of God's love. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, I pray that you would be able to comprehend the love of God, though it's too great to ever fully understand. And I don't I don't understand it. Why would he die for me? Why would he die for some of these people that do terrible things? Why would he still love them? Why would he still say, I don't regret it. I would do it all over again. I would die for these people. I don't get that because I don't love people that way. I mean, I'm just being honest. I don't I don't fully love people like God loves people. And I'm trying. I'm trying and I'm working on getting that agape love of God. But God loves you a whole lot more than Pastor Dave loves you. And I do. Love you. I do. I do. But listen to me. The love of God is something that we could never, you'll never fully understand it. Uh, but, but just like Paul prayed, I pray that you'll start to get some understanding in that area. Amen. And so there's three things we're going to say about the love of God today. And I want you to follow along. 
Because you've got to get this. You will never fully walk in the blessing that God has intended for you until you start to see yourself as God sees you. The first thing I'm going to say is this. Number one is that God's love is unconditional. Unconditional. And you're like, yes, I've heard that. Amen, brother. Listen to me. As human beings, we love other people, but there's conditions on it. We love conditionally. I think about it this way. Have you ever bought something, maybe a car or, or a piece of furniture or something, and they're glad to make the sale, man. They're glad. They're like, yes, absolutely, we want you to have this. But here's the list of terms and conditions. We will be your best friend if you do this, 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 and this. We're going to love you, and this is going to be pleasant. But if you don't do this, this, and this, we're taking it back, and we're going to charge you double, and we're coming at you hard. I thought you guys loved me. you like... You gave me a bag of Skittles to buy a new car. And, and, and here we are. You're t- but there was terms and conditions. And as people, well, baby, I'll love you to the moon and back. I'll love you till the day I die. I'd climb every mountain for you. Unless you do this. And then, I mean, I wish some people had shown me the terms and conditions of their friendship before I entered into the friendship. Because they said they loved me. People have told you they'll love you till the end of the world. If you do everything exactly how you want them to do it. If you follow every preconceived idea of how they thought the relationship would be, they will love you forever. But if you cross the line, there's terms and conditions. They will revoke it. They will not like you and they will come at you hard. But listen, that's not the love of God. And it's hard for humans to comprehend the love of God because the only love we know has conditions, terms and limits and a lot of times an expiration date. But the love of God, it doesn't have that. The love of God is absolutely what we call unconditional. And as hard as it is to believe his love, there is no terms, there is no conditions. Now, some of his blessings have terms and conditions. You're not going to go around treating people terrible and then reap a wonderful harvest of blessing in your life. It does say you reap what you sow. That doesn't mean God loves you any less. But listen, his love has no terms and conditions. And the Lord loves. And this is one of those things that I don't understand. It's one of the things about the love of God I don't get. How God loves the absolute worst sinner in the world as much as he does the most holy little old grandma that just loves everybody and, 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 and pats the kids on the head. God loves them exactly the same. Several places in the New Testament tell us. In fact, Peter said it himself. God has no favorites. How does God love some wicked, terrible person as much as he loves the most innocent little baby in the world? I don't know, but he does. That's beyond my comprehension. And in fact, if you can handle this, I don't want this to blow your mind. But Jesus himself said in John 17 that God the Father loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. And I showed you that verse last week in John 17. Jesus said, God, I'm praying that they will understand that you love them just as much as you love me. And that's another thing about the love of God. You love me as much as you love Jesus himself? Well, according to Jesus, yes, God does. That's pretty unconditional. But I want to show you a story this morning in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Amen. And I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation. That's a, a translation that I, I do like it. Uh, and um, this is a story that we've heard called the prodigal son. But I want you to see what the true definition, a real example of unconditional 
love. And as parents, I believe you get a little bit of an insight into unconditional love, yet we still fall short of the love of God. Luke chapter 15, and we're going to start at verse 11. And here's a story that maybe you have read before, maybe you're familiar with, but I want you to just... I want you to listen today. I want you to get this and follow along. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And it says, Then Jesus said, Once there was a father with two sons. The younger son came to his father and said, Father, don't you think it's time to give me the share of your estate that belongs to me? Jeez. He's like, I listen, I need, I can't wait for you to die. Just give it to me now. What a little punk, man. Give him nothing. But anyway, we'll continue. So the father went ahead and distributed among the two sons their inheritance. Shortly afterward, the younger son packed up all his belongings and traveled off to see the world. He journeyed to a far off land where where he soon wasted all he was given in a binge of extravagant and reckless living. That sounds like a mature, responsible person, doesn't it? That sounds like somebody that's thankful, but keep going. With everything spent and nothing left, he grew hungry, for there was a severe famine in that land. This guy's got himself in a world of trouble. He did it to himself. So he begged a farmer in that country to hire him. The farmer hired him and sent him out to feed the pigs. And listen, I grew up with some pigs. I'm not talking about my brothers, though they were pigs. I am talking about... I am also talking about live hogs, okay? Swine. They're filthy. They're nasty, man. They smell. It's disgusting. And here this guy was coming from a rich family, and now here he is serving the pigs. The son was so famished, he was willing to even eat the slop given to the pigs because no one would feed him a thing. Humiliated, the son finally realized what he was doing, and he thought, There are many workers at my father's house who have all the food they want with plenty to spare. They lack nothing. Why am I here dying of hunger, feeding these pigs and eating their slop? And keep in mind, we're we're talking about the Jewish world here. And there's nothing lower than a pig and swine in the Jewish world. I want to go back home to my father's house and I'll say to him, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I will never be worthy to be called your son. Please, father, just treat me like one of your employees. So the young son set off for home. From a long distance away, his father saw him coming dressed as a beggar. And great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning home. So the father raced out to meet him. He swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly, and kissed him over and over with tender love. Then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. The father interrupted and said, Son, you're home now. Turning to his servants, the father said, Quick, bring me the best robe, my very own robe, and I will place it on his shoulders. Bring the ring, the seal of sonship, and I will put it on his finger and bring out the best shoes you can find For my son, let's prepare a great feast and celebrate. For this beloved son of mine was once dead, but now he's alive again. Once he was lost, but now he's found. And everybody celebrated with overflowing joy. And as I say that, I realize so many people, they see themselves as the son in this story. 
Maybe at one time they were in a good relationship with the Lord and they, hey, they sinned. They made some mistakes. Let's call a spade a spade. They did wrong. They shouldn't have done it. But here they are. They're saying, you know what? I'm not even worthy to be called a son. It's over. And God's saying, no, you're, you're my son. You're my daughter. I, I, I still love you. Listen, I just want you back. And here we are saying, I, I could never go back. I, I, I've blown it for the last time. Uh, I, I'm not a son. Maybe they'd let me serve. Maybe God would give me a job and let me work for him. Maybe he would, maybe something like that, but there's no way he would ever call me a son again. But God's saying, no. I want you back, son. I want you back, daughter. I'm not mad at you. I just want you to come home. And can you imagine as a parent, if one of your kids had, you know, they made some mistakes. They wandered off. Maybe your child was missing for, let's say, something like six months. And then all of a sudden one day, I mean, you searched everywhere. You'd send, you know, search parties. You'd posted it. Every, everybody was looking. Nobody found him. After six months, you hear a knock on the door. There's that son. I can promise you this. My first thing wouldn't be, I knew it. How dare you? Who do you think you are? You realize what you've done to me? I can't believe you. My Man, I wouldn't be mad. Oh my gosh, I wouldn't be mad. I would pick him up in my arms. I would hug him. I'd say, we, what do you want? What can I do for you? You were lost. You, you had us scared, but you're home. This is the best day of my life. And as a parent, look, put yourself in that position. Maybe you're sitting here in a church today feeling guilty like, I, I don't know, man. I promise you, God's not mad at you. He just wants you to come home. He's got, you know, there's some runaway kids out there. There, God's got some runaway kids. But listen, he is not mad. He just wants you to come home. And so if you're here or maybe, you know, people listening online, we've got people listening in Japan, Korea, the Netherlands. I get every week I get people contacting us saying they're listening to this stuff online. I want you to hear me and I want you to hear me good. God is not mad at you. God loves you. And here you are thinking, well, maybe I'll go in and beg. And, and God's saying, you're the guest of honor. We've been waiting on you. Let's do this thing. But you've got to realize how God sees you. You're the guest of honor. I have a friend that works for the Clippers. I don't know how that happened, but it did. And so he calls me one day several years ago, and he's like, hey, I've got some tickets to tonight's game. Just show up at the ticket window on Figueroa and tell them your name, and they'll have the tickets. And I'm like, sweet, you know. Usually, Dave sits up and bleeds. I, sometimes, I mean, it's so high up there. It's, it's higher than some mountains I've climbed. So I, I, I show up and I'm like, okay. So me and my brother, you know, we drive my, uh, my 01 Dodge Caravan down there and, uh, you know, feel we're high rollers, you know, not, not dressed too nice, but, but we're there. And I'm in line with these people at this window and people are dressed nicer, dressing nicer things. And I just think I'm going to get some tickets and I show up and I say, Hey, Dave Samples, Maurice Baker told me to, uh, you had some tickets. They're like, oh, hang on. Some guys come out from behind, the, from another door dressed in suits. They're like, follow me. It's like, okay. And so the whole crowd's watching and me and my brother, you know, here we are. Like, here, and, and I, I promise you, there's, there's an entrance at the Staples Center that says VIP entrance and they took us through the VIP entrance. And I'm like, 
I don't think I'm sitting in the nosebleeds today. I think that maybe this is going to get better. So they take us in and, 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 you know, sir, how are you, sir? And they're, and, and they're so respectful. I'm like, what is going on here? And so they take me to an elevator and, and, and it's not the regular elevator. It's like a different one with gold plating and all this stuff. And he takes me up to the suite section and escorts us to our, to a, a, a private suite. Then they start bringing in hot wings. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Then they start bringing in just just things I've never experienced in my life. They're bringing them in and hey, can we get you another soda, sir? And all this stuff. And 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 and, and they, they the whole game, we sat there getting treated like royalty. I'm like, what did I do to deserve this, man? Come on. And then later in the year, Maurice gave me courtside tickets. So I love Maurice. Maurice is a very good man. I love him. I can't, I love that guy. But, but anyway, he treated, and he treated us so well, and everybody else is like, what do they do to deserve this? I didn't do a thing, man. It's called grace, baby. And the grace of God, sometimes people will say, what'd he do? He's a screw up. He ran away. He doesn't deserve that. And I'm saying, I know I don't deserve it, man. But that's the beauty of grace. You get what you don't deserve because not a single one of us deserves heaven. Not a single one of us deserves for the only perfect person to ever live to pay the price for our sins. But he did it anyway. And so, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I don't deserve it. I didn't do a thing to deserve what God's done for me. He healed me of cancer. I didn't deserve that. Listen to me right now. It's the grace of God. I didn't do a thing to deserve this. And I feel like some people are like, well, I've, I've, I haven't been that good. Maybe if I beg God, he'll let, he'll let me in there. He'll he'll get maybe he'll let me come in. And I, I just want to sit up in the balcony. I don't I don't expect for him to do anything good. And God's saying, get out of the balcony, man. I've got a suite for you here. Come eat some hot wings with Jesus. Well, I, I don't know. Anyway. But but you, you get what I'm saying. I don't want to stretch it too far. But but I'm telling you, Jesus wants you. He wants you to be with him. He wants to have that relationship with you. And so, like I said, man, we don't deserve this. Absolutely not. And it's not because we're so good. And Jesus doesn't love you because of how good you are. This is on your outline. Jesus doesn't love you because of how good you are. He loves you because of how good he is. It's not because of how good you are. If you think that God loves you so much just because you've been that good, you you got some pride issues. Okay? God doesn't love you because you're perfect. He loves you because He's perfect. He loves you because of how good He is. And there's not a thing in this world you can do to make Him love you any more or any less. Now listen. Absolutely. There are things we can do to disappoint God, but that does not mean He quits loving you. Man, sometimes our kids, they disappoint us. But I, I don't quit loving them. That doesn't take my love away. I wish they had done it different. I wish they had avoided some of the pain and, and, and some of the things that they've brought upon themselves. That doesn't mean like, well, I don't love you, man. You're eating crowns all over again. Kids over there eating out of the flower pot. I can't stand it, man. I don't hate them for it. I wish you hadn't done it. But listen to me. We do some dumb things. On, we sin. We'll call it what it is. We have sinned, everybody in here, but that didn't make God quit loving you. Didn't make him, didn't make him turn his back on you. Because God's love is unconditional. And the second thing I'm saying today is this, is that God's love is relentless. His love is relentless. He doesn't, he doesn't give up on people. How? 
Because whether you'll admit it or not, there are people that you have given up on. You're like, that's oh, hopeless. Why even, why even bother? I don't even, he, we've given him a thousand chances, or maybe you're that one that people have given up on. But God, God doesn't give up. First Corinthians 13, uh, it explains the love of God to us. It says, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful through every circumstance. And then verse 8 says, love never fails. That's the love of God. But I want to show you a story here in Luke chapter 15. We were already there, so we'll just look back a few verses here. Luke chapter 15, verses 4 through 7. And this is a, a, a beautiful story illustrating the relentless love of God. And again, I was going to read this out of the Passion Translation. I like the way that, they, that it, it, it explains this. It says, There once was a shepherd with a hundred lambs, but one of his lambs wandered away and was lost. So the shepherd left the 99 lambs out in the open field and searched in the wilderness for that one lost lamb. He didn't stop until he finally found it. And you, you, you get where this is going. Listen, Jesus, he may have a, a hundred good sheep and there's that one that wanders off. And we know he'll leave the 99 right there in the open field and chase down that one little runaway. That little rebel that keeps running off, he'll keep chasing him down out into the woods until he finds him. But look at this. With exuberant joy, he raised it up and placed it on his shoulders, carrying it back with cheerful delight. Returning home, he called all his friends and neighbors together and said, let's have a party. Come and celebrate with me the return of my lost lamb. It it wandered away, but I found it and I brought it home. Jesus continued, in the same way, there will be a glorious celebration in heaven over the rescue of one lost sinner who repents, comes back home, and returns to the fold. More so than for all the righteous people who never strayed away. And so I love this story. And notice that it doesn't say, man, he found that lamb and chewed him out. He found that lamb and he let him have it, man. He, he beat him. He, he chewed him out. He, he had no food for you for the next few days. You, you bad little lamb. He didn't say that. He raised him up on his shoulders. He paraded him through town and said, hey, I found him, everybody. Here he is. Let's have a party. And that's what Jesus is going to do with us. That's what he does do to us. He'd leave all the 99 great ones and thank God for them. We got to have, you know, that's good. We're not putting down on them. Thank God for those that didn't. But listen, for that one that ran off, Jesus puts him on his shoulders again, a symbol of honor, just like the father did to that prodigal son. And he didn't say shame on him. Shame, shame, shame. I can't believe it. Everybody let him have it. He says, here he is, everybody. We finally got him now. We can have a party. Now we can really do this thing. Can you, can you comprehend the love of God? And he didn't give up. He kept searching. He kept looking through the woods. He chased him around until he found him. It's relentless. You know, I've noticed that one thing about us men, we don't have very good looking skills. Seriously. Something's lost and it's like, right, you know, it could be right there. And you're like, Honey, I can't find it. I looked everywhere. Well, really, we did. And we opened our sock drawer and didn't see it. And so, okay. And so I'm not talking about Jesus doesn't look, doesn't search 
like most the average male does when he's looking for something and just say, honey, you come find it. No, Jesus searches like a man does when he loses the remote. Because, (laughs) hear me out, hear me out. I'm just, let's, we're keeping it real today, okay? You could lose your car keys, you could, you could lose like your social security card, I can't find it. But when the remote's gone, any man I know is, they will, they will raise the house up. They'll get a crane and lift it off the foundation until they find the remote. And that's what Jesus would do for you. You're as valuable to Jesus as an average man's remote control is to him. On football day, listen to me. It's huge. It's huge. He would look for you just like we would search for something that we really want. Now, I'm sure that the shepherd wished that the little guy hadn't run off. I'm sure he he wasn't super happy about it. But when he came back, it was nothing but love, nothing but joy. I want to show you something in 1 John 4, verse 8. Because I'm thinking, why is God's love so relentless? What, why is he like this? Uh, what, what makes him love like this? Well, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8, let's flip over there. 1 John 4, verse 8. And I pray that God's working on your heart today. I, I mean, maybe you maybe you're super tight with the Lord, but you still don't know how much he loves you. Maybe you're just, you know, you're not that tight with the Lord. I know that you don't know how much he loves you. But we're trying to at least paint a little bit of a picture here today and at least get a little bit of this over to you. First John chapter four. And verse eight. Says, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love. The very definition of who he is, the very core of who he is is love every decision everything every every creation everything that god does comes from a position of love god is love and again we will never fully get that we will never fully have that revelation because paul said you'll never fully comprehend it but listen to me God is love. That's why he's so relentless. It's what he does. It's who he is. That's who God is. God is love. And that's why he has this ability to see people like nobody else sees them. Everybody else looks and says, and he's a drunk. Here he is again. He's nothing but an addict. I give up on him. And God's saying, oh, there's my son. There's my boy. He, 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 he screwed up a little. He's, he wandered off. I'm going to get him back. I'm going to get him. And I'm going to send everything that I can to get his attention. And I believe so many people have a terrible misconception of God. I feel like a lot of you and a lot of people, they see some angry old man that's chasing them around. They, they see Morgan Freeman with a baseball bat or something chasing them down. Listen, God is definitely chasing you, but it's not to punish you. It's to rescue you and treat you like royalty. That's on your outline right there. I Yeah, I feel like God's chasing me. Yeah, he's chasing you. But it's not to punish you. It's to rescue you and treat you like royalty. He's going to put you up on his shoulders. He's going to say, man, put the ring of sonship on his finger. Give him my robe. Let's do this. And in fact, the book of Revelation tells us that we get a robe of righteousness. And so, Nick, put that on the screen. God is definitely chasing you, 
but it's not to punish you. It's to rescue you and to treat you like royalty. And I'm going to show you something here in Psalm 139. Psalm 139. We're going to look at verses 7 through 12. Now, Psalm 139 is an absolutely beautiful passage of Scripture. King David wrote this, and and David seemed to have a, a good, solid comprehension of the love of God. Because he was perfect? No. David, as we know, was not perfect. Absolutely not. But David repented. David came back to the Lord. And so many people, when they do something wrong, they run from God. When we should run to God. And say, hey, I know it, I blew it, I, yeah, I messed up. Forgive me, Jesus. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God will just clean, he'll give you a bath, he'll wash you up, you know. One time, the kids, they thought it would be a great idea to make mud pies in the backyard. I, and it wasn't a good idea. It was a terrible idea. It was an awful idea. And so they got buckets and they were making mud and just throwing it on each other. And then they thought it'd be cool to paint the bathroom in mud. It was beautiful. I wasn't there when this happened. But, but I, I get back and I'm like, what happened? I was, I was upset. I didn't stop loving them. I washed them up, put them in the bath, scrubbed them off, explained, you will not do that again. There is other discipline, believe me, I'm, I'm a Bible believer. But at the same time, but listen to me, I didn't stop loving them. We washed them up, and they were still sons, still had my daughter. You're not my kids anymore, I'll tell you that right now, making mud messy. No way, they were dirty. They dirtied themselves up, but we washed them off. We gave them another chance. They slept in the house that night. They ate dinner that night. They are welcome. They are welcome to still carry the name samples. They are my children. I didn't revoke it just because they went out and got dirty, but I didn't let them stay dirty. They didn't go to bed that night covered in mud. I had enough love to wash them off and say, you're filthy. Let's wash your, let's get washed up here. It wouldn't have been loving to say, uh, well, I love you. So just stay in the mud, stay how you are, go to bed. It's, it's okay. I love you. That wouldn't have been love. They would have got all sorts of stuff, man. They would have woke up with rashes. And Listen, that's not love. But I did love them enough to scrub them off and give them another chance. That's the love of God. Psalm 139, verse 7, again in the Passion Translation, King David says, Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? We're talking about relentless love. You can't run away from God. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the realm of the dead, you're there too. If I fly with wings into the shining dawn, you're there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. It's impossible to disappear from you or to ask the darkness to hide me. For your presence is everywhere, bringing light into my night. And so, where could you hide from God? Where do you think you go... You can't get get high enough to hide from him. You can't go low enough to hide from him. And the next verse says, there is no such thing as darkness with you. The night to you is as bright as the day. There's no difference between the two. And I know some people, they're, they're running from God. They're trying to hide. But everywhere they go, he shows up. It's like he's already there. Have you ever seen a movie where someone's trying to run away? They open one door and someone's already waiting there for him. Like, okay, so they go to another and they're, they're, the person's already waiting there for him. You can't get away from God. 
He's relentless, man. He will chase you to the ends of the earth. He'll chase you down and find you, man. Jonah tried to run away from God. He went to the bottom of the sea and got swallowed by a giant fish. And guess what? There was God talking to him right there in the middle of the ocean and a fish. And so some people, it's like everywhere I turn, you know, God, God's chasing me down. Yes, he is. He's chasing you, and it's not to beat you up. He's trying to get you back, man. He wants you to be with him. And you know, I, a story that I like is from Pastor Bayless Conley. He pastors one of the largest churches in America now, Cottonwood Church in Los Alamitos. But he has an interesting story of how he came to Jesus. You know, he, he was a drugged out hippie back in the, I guess, 60s or 70s. And the Lord kept trying to get his attention everywhere he went. He felt God was trying to get his attention, but he kept running away from God. So one night he nearly overdosed on some things and he was wandering through a park the next day, just tripping around. And all he could think about was Jesus. He's like, oh, man, I, I don't know you that much, but I want to know you. And he sees this little boy come and walk up and say hi. And he's like, hi. And, and so Bayless, he goes into the woods and sits down by this stream. Then a few minutes later, the little boy comes into the woods and sits down on the other side of the stream right across from him. And the little boy says, did you know that Jesus loves you? What? And so the little boy begins to preach to this drugged out ragtag hippie right there in the woods. And a little little boy led him to the Lord out in the middle of the woods that day. And he stuck with it. He gave his life to the Lord. And now he pastors a massive church and he travels all over the world to to Russia and all these places preaching the gospel. But the love of God chased him down everywhere he went. And some of you, some people I know, the love of God is chasing them down. I read about another pastor. I just read this story yesterday and, and it was pretty funny. I was laughing all throughout it. But he's a pastor in Alexandria, Virginia. And he said one night a friend at a college party talked to him about jesus and he never thought about jesus anything before that at all but after this guy mentioned jesus that's all he could think about and he was you know he was drugged out and drunk half the time but all he could think about was jesus and so one of his friends said man you're going crazy you need to get this off your mind let's go down uh, to panama city beach for spring break and that's you know that's a pretty holy place at spring break time just miraculous things going on and and so they go down there and he says as we neared the beach uh they drove hours to get there as we neared the beach a plane flew over my head pulling a banner behind it and it said jesus loves you john three sixteen. i pointed my arm out the window and told my friend look god's following me and his friend's like no you're crazy stop that and so they go out to the beach get some beer out and they're sitting down there by the water and then he says after a while i noticed a small herd of students talking to people and handing out little booklets. Then a couple of guys came up and handed me a little booklet and told me God had a wonderful plan for my life. And as these guys walked away, I told my friend, see, God's following me. And so his friend said, you're crazy. They laughed it off. They went to the club that night, got drunk. And as they came out of the club, a van pulls up with spray painted on the side of it. God loves you. Believe the gospel. John 3, 16. And some guys get out of the van and say, do you want to ride back to your hotel? And they're like, no, leave us alone. And so his friend looks at him and says, I, maybe God is chasing you. Maybe you are onto something here. 
And so the next day, they go to a Waffle House. He says they got really high and they got hungry. So they went to a Waffle House. And uh, he says they, they scarfed down some pancakes. And then, uh, let's see, within, he says to his friend, his friend says to him, these drugs are starting to mess with your mind. You, I really think you've gone off the deep end. And as soon as he said that, the door to the Waffle House flew open and about 30 young people came in carrying Bibles and they walked right up to him. And one guy said, hi, do you go to Virginia Tech? And he said, yeah. He's like, have you ever gone to church there in that area in Blacksburg? And he says, yeah, I, I mean, I visited around. And the guy said, here's my name and number. Call me when you get back into town. So again, his friend said, I think maybe the Lord is starting to chase you down because everywhere we turn, something happens. And so they go out to the beach and he sees a young lady sitting there and he just felt something. Tell him to go talk to the lady. He sits down beside this young girl and she looks right over at him, and says, what do you know about Jesus? And she tells him about Jesus. So he gets up and runs. <laughs> he runs. I'm not making that. I mean, this story is hilarious. And as he gets to the sidewalk, there's a lady wheeling up to him on a wheelchair <laughs> And he's like, I know what she's going to do. I already know what she's going to do, but I can't run from a lady in a wheelchair. And so she wheels her way up to him and says, Garrett, what do you know about Jesus? And and that's his name. She And, and he's like, OK, I get it. He surrendered his life to the Lord right there. But I'm telling you, as crazy as that story is, this guy became a pastor and is, you know, living for the Lord, obviously now. But that, that's so far fetched. It's crazy. But that's what God will do to get someone's attention. And sometimes people are like, I, I don't know. I never see it. You see it every day. You probably go to the store and someone's like, God bless you, man. Jesus loves you. And, and, and everywhere you turn, it's there. When you're running from God, it's there. And you feel like, man, they're judging me. No, it's just God trying to get your attention. Jesus loves you. And he will chase his little one lost sheep down. The 99 others, they're, they're over there. He'll leave them to chase the one down until he gets them. That's incredible. That's relentless love. And the third thing I'm going to say today is this, is that God's love, it has to be received. When you're given a gift, there's a giver, but then there's the receiver, right? You know, and in football, you got the quarterback, he throws it, but he can't go out there and catch it, too. Someone's got to be out there to receive it. And God's dishing out the love, man. He's, he's passing it out, but someone has to step up and receive it. And one of the many things that I love about the Lord is that he gives us an opportunity to make a choice about him. He doesn't force you to receive him. God didn't want a bunch of robots. He didn't want a bunch of forced slaves. God wanted people that served him because they love him. Because they love him. And I want to show you something here in Deuteronomy chapter 30. So we're going to go back to the beginning, towards the beginning of the Bible here, the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 30. And I'm going to look at verse 19. Because we do have a choice in the matter. You do, you can choose, man. If you want to be with God, that you, that's your choice. You can do that. That's great. Hopefully we all choose that. Hopefully we all choose the blessings of God. But not everybody does, as we know. So Deuteronomy chapter 30, and we're going to look at verse 19 here. And this is Moses speaking to the children of Israel. And he was an old, old man at this point. He was getting ready to die. But Deuteronomy 
chapter 30, and we're going to look here at verse 19. And this is God speaking to us through Moses. He says, today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. There it is. Choice. He's like, I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Then he tells you what to choose. Choose life. Choose life. And then notice, parents, that it says it's going to affect your children. It's going to affect your descendants, your grandchildren. The choice that you make about God will impact your children. Absolutely. I am so blessed that I grew up in a home not full of money. And I mean, you know, God took care of us. But I didn't grow up in a rich house. I didn't grow up in a house where we went to Disneyland every week. I've, to this day, I've never been. I want to go, but I haven't been yet. I, I didn't grow up with all the fanciest, newest toys and all this stuff. But I grew up in a house with parents that loved each other and they loved God. And they showed me the ways of God. And because of that, I, you know, I've made mistakes, but I've, I've, I've never given up on God. I've never wandered too far from Him. And now my children, they're learning the ways of God. My children love God. My two-year-old prays. You know, I don't always understand what he's saying, but usually he's praying for a lollipop. He calls it a poppy. Jesus, poppy. Amen. And lo and behold, we show up with, you know, with a dum-dum. Like, hey, Lord answered your prayers. But listen to me. Your decision about the Lord will affect your descendants. That's something to think about. Every decision we make will affect our children and our descendants. And so the choice is yours. The choice is pretty obvious. Yet many people still choose the wrong thing. You know, it's just it's undeniable. The choice is obvious. Yet many people, they still make the wrong choice on this. What if I came up to you with two gift wrapped boxes? I said, okay, this box is stuffed full of $100 bills. No telling how many are in there. I just stuffed as many as I could get. Okay. This box is some used kitty litter that we scooped out of the, uh, the cat box this morning. It's your choice. You can have whichever one you want. You know, I, I just, I want to give you the choice. Do you want the box full of money or do you want the cat? stuff. What do you want? And, and, and the choice is yours. You are, it's whatever you want. I'm going to give it to you. I will respect your choice. I'm not going to make fun of you for it. What do you want? Well, the obvious choice would be to go with the money on this one. Okay. The money, go with the money. But some people, for whatever reason, as crazy as it sounds, they choose the junk. They, they choose it. And you're like, nobody would do that. I've said before you life and death, blessings and curses Therefore, choose life that you and your descendants might live. Some people choose the wrong thing. And we're not here to make fun of them. We're here to say, come on, let's do this. Let's make the right choice. Because yet again, God will respect your choice and let you have what you choose. You can choose his way, choose heaven, choose the blessings of God, or we can choose our own way. And hey, that's fine. But we get to live with those consequences. We do get to live with, uh, with, with, with the actions, with, 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 with what we have chosen. I want to show you Joshua chapter 24. This is my last verse of today. 
But we're talking about choices because the love of God has to be received. It has to be received. Joshua 24, and I want to show you verse 15. And I'm praying that you're getting this. That, man, God loves you unconditionally. Even if you've been bad, even if you've made some mistakes, even if you went out and played in the mud and got dirty, went places you shouldn't have gone, He doesn't love you any less. He probably wishes you hadn't done it, but He doesn't love you any less. Joshua 24, 15. And Joshua, who was obviously Moses' successor, so Moses just died and handed the reins over to Joshua. And here's what Joshua says a little bit towards the end of his life. And Joshua 24 says, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. Okay, you don't want to serve God? Fine. You don't have to. But choose who you will serve. Because you will be serving somebody. But you get to choose. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell now. But as for me and my house... We're going to serve the Lord. We've made our choice, but you've got to make your choice. You do have to choose. And we live in such an indecisive generation where people are like, I I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to choose right now. Or where do you want to eat at? I I don't care. Okay. Let's eat here. No, not there. What are you crazy? You wait. Anyway, that's another husband and wife deal. But listen to me. Listen to me. We live in a generation that we don't want to make choices. And at least we want to put them off as long as we can. I'll, I'll make a decision tomorrow. And, and Joshua says, no. Choose. You've got to choose. Today. Right now. You have to choose. Today, Joshua said. Who are you going to serve? Why do we have to choose today? Because you aren't promised tomorrow, man. It does not promise you tomorrow. Well, that sounds harsh. Hey, it's truth. It says, choose today. Who you're going to serve. You choose. Not mama choose. Not grandma choose. Not what daddy. He says you choose today who you will serve. You're going to serve the gods that your ancestors, the false idols. You're going to bow down to them. You're going to just adapt to the Amorites, the the, the community, the, the society we live in now. They're all serving money in America. They're all serving different things. You're going to be like them. I, you, do what you want to do. Fine. Make your choice. You do have to choose. But as for me and my house, we've chosen that we're going to serve the Lord. That's the choice we made. And so today I'm telling you this. God's love is here. He loves you. Even if you've been a member of this church for however many years, fine, good, happy for you. Glad you're here. If you've never been here before, fine, happy for you. Good. If you never come back again, fine, that's fine. But I want you to know this much. God absolutely loves you. You have to receive the love you have to receive the love his way his unconditional love you have to choose and i challenge you you best make that choice today because i don't know man i was watching the news and i saw somebody came into a synagogue yesterday and shot and killed i think 11 people i'm not saying that's going to happen i'm not scaring people but what i am saying is i see stuff every day on the news with a whole bunch of people who probably thought, well, you know, I don't know, that, that stuff never happened to me. It never happened in Barstow. Never happened. That would never happen to me. But then it does. And what if that was somebody that was putting off 
their decision about Jesus. And so, uh, I, you know what? I'm young. I'll get there. I don't want to think about that right now. I don't, hey, choose today. You're going to receive the love? You're going to put it off? You're going to reject it? I don't know. The choice is yours, though. Amen. Let's stand up together today. I want us to stand up together. And I, I believe that God is working on some people's hearts this morning. And I don't, I don't say stuff like that. I don't, I don't have any need to say that. But I believe that through the Word of God, not through my words, they're worthless. Through the Word of God, God has spoken to some people today. And I believe that God wants some people to make a decision for Him. I believe that God has something for you. He's got some blessings for you today. I believe that maybe... Hey, there's there's some that are son, some that, hey, they know the Lord. They've lived with him. They've received him at some point, but then they wandered off. They were that one little sheep that wandered off. God's not mad. He just wants you to come on home now. All right. It's, you know, you had your moment. Come on home. Let's get back to where we need to be. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.